Welcome to This Is Divorce, Episode 1, a conversation about your health, wealth and future self. Divorce is difficult, but it need not define you. I'm your host, Phil O'Connor, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Liz Tate. I'm a financial advisor specialising in divorce, and I'm passionate about helping clients craft sensible financial settlements, having witnessed firsthand the mess my parents made of it back in 1994. Liz runs her own mediation practice here in Bolton, and is a pioneer in online mediation, both nationally and internationally. Prior to setting up on her own, Liz was a family law solicitor for 25 years. Today's episode will be covering grounds for divorce. Hi Liz, how are you? I'm very well Phil, in fact I'm better than well, I'm delighted to be here uh, participating in what is our very first podcast, thank you for inviting me and I'm really uh, happy to explore this uh, topic and share some thoughts uh, with with our listeners. Um, I came across a really interesting statistic the other day which is that two-thirds of the population will have direct or indirect experience with divorce. So it it couldn't really be more relevant than to start at the very beginning, uh, which sounds like an introduction to a Julie Andrews song from The Sound of Music, but talking of songs. Wow, two-thirds, yeah, that's that's quite incredible, isn't it? Um, Well, whenever I think of Grounds for Divorce, I always think of the elbow track, um, working on a cocktail for Grounds for Divorce, and at times I think it can feel a bit like a cocktail, Um, I understand there are grounds, uh, five in fact, but um, can you tell us a bit more on the subject, Liz? Yes, uh, because it is a little bit, or it can certainly feel like a little bit of a a minefield. I mean, essentially, to to get a divorce in uh, English law, English and Welsh law, you have to prove that the marriage has irretrievably broken down. In fact, there is another... uh, uh, a basic uh, element that you have to prove as well, which is that you've been married for more than 12 months, because if you haven't actually been married for a year, then the option of divorce isn't immediately uh, available to you, Phil. But as well as proving that the marriage is broken down, completely right, you do that by one of five facts. And just to walk through them very quickly, and then we'll unpack them in a, a little more detail. Uh, the first is known as adultery. Uh, then unreasonable behaviour. Two years uh, desertion. Well, desertion is so rare these days, but we'll we'll talk about that. Then there's what's commonly known as the amicable divorce, where people have a dialogue, they agree to get divorced, but they still have to demonstrate that they've been separated for, for two years. And if that consent isn't forthcoming, or there are no other grounds that we've briefly mentioned, then you're left with a situation where you have to wait five years before you can present your petition for divorce. Um, Going back to the the adultery, the new relationship issue, um, you don't actually have to uh, cite or indeed know the identity of the person that your spouse has uh, committed adultery with. And it's best practice, uh, although it's not always followed, but certainly best practice that you don't name that other party on the divorce petition. But if the adultery is denied, you're then in a field where you may have to prove it, and that can be very difficult. So it's it's usually worthwhile exploring whether consent 
uh, is, is going to, or rather admission, is going to be forthcoming before you launch that petition because if you don't, you might be in difficulties, you might have to amend your petition. And if you consult a lawyer, usually they explore that in correspondence with your spouse so that it can proceed relatively, and I'm not saying this is easy emotionally, but from a legal practical perspective, adultery is one of the simplest grounds to proceed on if, if it's admitted. So um, it's, not, it's not an uncommon ground at all. Okay, and um, there's, there's some more grounds, aren't there? Uh, yes, uh, the one that's often talked about is behaviour, uh, and, and it's strictly unreasonable behaviour, because you have to link uh, the incident of behaviour as to why that's made it difficult or challenging for the, the marriage to continue, and specifically for you as the petitioner to continue uh, living uh, with, with your spouse. Um, so if there, you know, going back to that last point, if there is a new relationship or you suspect there's a new relationship but you can't necessarily prove it, it's not at all uncommon for that to be referenced in a behaviour petition, but it falls short of actually proceeding on the ground of uh, adultery. But behaviour is very topical at the moment and I think we're going to have a little bit of a, a chat about that following a, a very important significant case last year which is the case of um, Owens um, which uh, made the headlines partly because it went to the highest court uh, certainly in England and Wales and it was based on the divorce was based on uh, Mrs Owens uh, petition for behaviour and it actually didn't succeed. So what, what we're finding now as practitioners um, is that on the whole, behaviour petitions have got somewhat stronger in terms of the um, allegations or what's called the particulars that, that people rely upon, partly because of the, the Owens case. And it's not really a good move, Phil, in my opinion, in my our governing body, I should say, resolution, mm -hmm. um, are uh, of the same view. I think um, following uh, Owens, um, they, they did a survey resolution and they found that 60% of resolution members felt that divorce petitions um, have got more aggressive since the judgment in Owens and Owens, which generally speaking, because our governing body is so committed to... Um, consensual ways forward, um, child-centric ways forward, they consider it not a helpful development. So, so that sounds a bit counterintuitive, really, that, that the fight over the grounds for divorce, as it were, would, would be more uh, aggressive post this, this direction from, from the Owens case. Yes, well, I think because the Owens case failed on, on proving um, mm -hmm. particulars of unreasonable behaviour, um, lawyers and, of course, clients as well are that much more risk-averse because a defended suit is such a con costly, uh, contentious, um, fairly harrowing uh, experience to go through having um, progressed uh, certain defended petitions myself. It's, it's not easy, and well, it's heard in open court. I was going to ask you, after your 25 years of plus of experience, how many did you did you actually defend? Or uh, defended forward? suits that went all the way to open court and several days of evidence, just two. So out of thousands and thousands of petitions, wow. we're talking about a very rarefied uh, set, of, uh, set of circumstances. Um, 
hugely costly, and I don't just mean financially, but emotionally uh, for, for the parties as well. And we'll perhaps unpack, if we have time, a, a bit more of the Owens uh, case, but certainly behaviour, again, best practice, if you possibly can, choose mildest grounds, but be mindful that you do have to prove unreasonable behaviour. And generally speaking, as well, if possible, try to at least share the details of those grounds in advance with the other person. So even if there's not agreement that that's why the marriage relationship sadly came to an end, uh, you're not ambushing somebody in terms of the first they hear of the grounds being a, a formal petition received from uh, the court, out of all's court in the northwest Liverpool, of course. And so that's it's quite a, a stark uh, introduction to the divorce process if that's the first that uh, uh, the other person is, uh, is aware of. So generally speaking, what I'd say, whatever ground you're using, as with most of uh, uh, my views in terms of uh, this very difficult process of separation, communication, communication at the outset, communication through the process might, particularly if your parents, lead to ongoing communication where your children are concerned for the future. Just to be good uh, for, for children. The other grounds, uh, Phil, they all involve waiting. So desertion, it's where you have to prove that your spouse left you and you've not, you've not had any uh, relationship or communication since that date. Um, but still, you have to wait two years. You ask me how many defended divorces? Well, not, not very many. Desertion, even less. So in, in uh, a legal career of, of a wee while, um, only one desertion petition. Um, and then the final two grounds, two-year separation, uh, but it has to be coupled with consent. So um, you don't have to be too specific. It can be uh, approximate, um, but the other person must, must agree. So again, communication to resolve the, the date on which you, you formally decided to, to separate. It is odd, but it is possible to be separated whilst living together under the same roof as long as you're living separate lives. So it's always worth speaking to your solicitor about that or researching it quite carefully um, because people may have actually been meeting some of the criteria for the period of separation even though they're still sharing an address. But if none of those grounds are available and there isn't a, a, a suitable way forward immediately, or after two years, then you are left with five years separation. And you do not need your spouse's consent to divorce on, on that ground, um, which is perhaps the ground that, in the Owens case, will be utilised when the relevant time period has expired. So a whistle-stop tour. Uh, obviously, there are some complexities uh, in relation to those, those grounds. And, of course, some people decide not to get divorced at all and might go down the nullity route or the judicial separation route but that's probably a podcast for a later date I suspect okay so thank you for that um, so the, clearly the, the, the grounds are there um, are there any further pitfalls to, to know about well I think I think what I would say to anybody who's considering divorce or perhaps might be newly separated is just take a moment to take stock and, and, and take time. Obviously, this is a massive decision. Just run through a few ideas, a few questions that I would say would be helpful to, to consider. The first of which, and, and you might be surprised um, to, to hear this, Phil, is it something that your lawyers may raise 
at a first interview with a client who's come for a divorce consultation, which is, are you sure that this relationship is, is over? Lots of relationships go through uh, challenging periods, um, but once you start the, the legal process of divorce, of course uh, it can be halted at any time up until the pronouncement of the decree absolute, but lawyers have a public responsibility to inquire whether the relationship has sadly reached a stage where divorce is the next step. And if it hasn't, uh, again, they will be able to signpost you to various support organisations. Uh, marriage Guidance, now Relate is the best known service, but of course there's the Catholic Marriage Advisory Service and the, the Jewish Marriage Council as well. Many, many other organisations exist to help people um, work through this decision and see whether it is the end of the relationship or whether with support and guidance, maybe there is an option that the relationship can be saved. And another thing on a similar theme is, does your partner, uh, does your spouse agree that it's over? Um, because often what, what I find, both as a lawyer and as a mediator, is that people are approaching this maybe at different stages of consideration and acceptance. Yes, of course, some marriages conclude with a mutual decision made at a, uh, a fairly similar time and uh, you know it's possible to discuss and explore what grounds and how it's going to proceed any separation or divorce but for others perhaps the decision is more unilateral somebody has decided that for whatever reason the relationship has come to an end so it might be worth just taking time to explore what your partner's views are about that because Time spent doing that now uh, might save time later on. If, if you're rushing ahead and your partner's not ready, potentially that can cause delay, it can cause conflict over the grounds, and possibly where there's complexity, where there's delay, often there's cost. And so it might sadly make it a little bit more expensive in the long run if you don't put this time and energy and, and thought into considering, okay, how are we together going to do this. Not always possible, of course people do, sometimes um, uh, faced with the prospect of divorcing on, on urgent grounds and so of course again something to research, something to chat through um, with your lawyer. Okay, thank you. So um, are any any other things to think about before we maybe think about applying? Um, well, just a, a few other prompts. Uh, it's not so much a checklist, but do check you've been married uh, for a year, because if, if you haven't, it's not a, a, an option available to you. And another sensible, very practical thing, but uh, as, a, as a practitioner, it is not uncommon to have the marriage certificate shredded into maybe 30 or 40 pieces. So you will need to... Um, either celebrate it together or apply to the church where you were married if you were married in church or the uh, principal registry to get a, a copy very cheap to do copy of the marriage certificate because you will need an original certified copy that's in English obviously with the growth of um, uh, weddings uh, abroad um, 
you may find that your marriage certificate isn't in English, so you'll need a certified translation. Uh, you may find you haven't got it because it's often not a priority uh, with all the excitement of the wedding to file that away safely. The best man may have it in the pocket of his suit. You never know. So you do need your original copy of your marriage certificate. And the other practical thing, do you know where your ex is living? If you haven't separated, obviously, yes, you will. But if you have, do you know where they are? Have you got a postal address? It's not really best practice to serve at uh, a non-residential address so places of work sometimes it's a matter of last resort but you know getting all your details together and your data and deciding uh, your grounds if, if you can put the energy and the research into it early doors you will be doing yourself a favor um, in terms of costs and um, outlay of work at a, a later date Okay, so thank you for that. Um, what happens next? Uh, is it costly to apply for court? What do I need to think about when I apply for court? It's quite a, a few things you need to think about, uh, Phil. In terms of process, if you are considering divorce, um, you might just before you embark on the procedure, check in uh, and research how you might sort your finances and any matters for children because there's lots of options and I'll briefly go through them again we might be unpacking those uh, in more detail at a later date but these days a lot of people do their own divorce do it yourself and it's it's actually quite easy to do um, and when I say do it yourself please if any listeners are contemplating this you can get all of the court forms that you will need for the divorce process itself on the government website, sorting out separation. You don't actually need to buy packs of forms, either from online services or from anywhere else. Everything you need is available free of charge in terms of divorce paperwork on the government website, which is sortingoutseparation.org, or the HMTCS, Her Majesty's Court and Tribunal Services website, although they're a little bit harder, to be honest, <laughs> to find on that website unless you know the name of the form you're looking for, which is a D8 for for your divorce. And there's some really good supplementary notes. So doing it yourself, I mean, just out of interest, Phil, how many people do you think do file and complete their own divorce paperwork. 66%. Oh, well, that's, that's practically bob on. Yeah, 60 to 70% of people are now doing their own divorce paperwork. The others are having some help or having the whole process managed uh, by a divorce practitioner who may be a fully qualified solicitor or may be a divorce paralegal. The divorce process is not overly complex unless it is defended um, but essentially um, there are many many helpful guides out there to enable you to navigate this process by yourself um, really brilliant book um, is family court without a, a lawyer which is a really good investment you can get it fairly cheaply it's by a barrister who also sits as a judge called Lucy Reed but again um, you can go back to the government website which has many helpful notes and it is getting simpler 
all the time. Reform is, is creeping in. Um, we are now even practically joining, I wouldn't say the 21st century, but the 20th century because there are pilots going on for online filing. So the, uh, in the olden days, when I first qualified, you just would go to court with your, with your cheque or your cash and wait at the counter and issue doors that way. But now we're finally, the court system is finally catching up with online filing. And the other reform that's happened, which I think was intended to make the actual divorce process speedier, is that we've got regional divorce centres now. About nine, I think if memory serves me right, nine in total. And in the northwest, ours is Liverpool. So every divorce now starts... Uh, in, in Liverpool, but certain hearings from uh, that divorce process may come out to the regional courts local to, to, to where you live, if you're not in the principal registry, the London courts, for example. As for expense, well, if you're doing it yourself, the only cost you would have as the petitioner is the court fee, uh, which is currently £550. When I first started, it was 40 quid. But actually, the courts were, I think a couple of years ago, going to put it up at, to £750. Mm-hmm. Pounds, yeah. But there was a bit of a revolt within the uh, the profession, so they've they've um, fixed it at 550 for the time being. Whether that changes, only time will tell. But periodically, these fees do go up. Um, they never, or never in my experience, come down. Um, depending on your grounds, you may be sharing that cost with your spouse who is known as the respondent within the divorce so for example if your ground is two years uh, separation plus consent it's not uncommon to um, negotiate that you share the court fee uh, equally uh, if your ground is something else possibly a new relationship an adultery petition for example or behavior that might be different again if you can negotiate that in advance it's often better to do so and if you're on a very low income um, it's also possible to have help with that fee um, the form you need is an x160 again you can get it on the um, government website or the sorting out separation website um, it looks a little bit lengthy it's about six pages but generally speaking it's quite easy to complete and if that is a means to perhaps saving the court fee of 550 pounds which is prohibitive of course for many many separating couples then it's well worth well worth looking into is it worth just running through the stages in in a divorce so we're talking about the petition piece here um we've done grounds we're now looking at petitioning obviously on the other side of that people will be responding to that yes Uh, so what what might i expect to happen next well it's relatively linear process uh, quite straightforward as i've said perfectly uh, within uh, the, the ability to manage of, of nearly everybody um, unless perhaps you need some help with um, translation of forms for example um, but it can be made complex but talking very generally about the, the standard stages yes the person who starts the divorce is the petitioner and they lodge a petition as you'd expect and that sets out um, the, the grounds for the divorce and certain other information is captured that's called a D8 um, and that's received by the court with the cheque or with the cash or with the online payment and then it's issued it's issued by the court office only at this stage and it's sent out 
to the respondent or their solicitor, depending on how you've completed the form. And that person then has a form to complete called the Acknowledgement of Service. A little bit in need of reform, in, 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 in my opinion, uh, this form, because it, it does refer to things that are um, perhaps not in common usage, uh, at the moment, so it'll talk often about domicile and jurisdiction. Again, um, if, if you're in any doubts at all, there's lots of helpful information on the government website, but the language is a little bit uh, archaic. So the Acknowledgement Service form is quite quite short, but a little bit convoluted in terms of the language it, it uses. That goes back to the court once the respondent's completed it. Actually, that's the only form that the respondent completes. Uh, in the uh, in the divorce process, once that's received by the petitioner, they then apply for decree nisi, and that's quite a well-known stage of the divorce. It's almost like the the middle stage. It's the gateway to then having your financial deal ratified by the court. But it's also the first time that a judge will actually look at the paperwork and then enter it into the decree nisi list. Um, very rarely, even though you have a, an appointment, people go to their NISI. Now that's quite uh, a change from uh, you know, um, 70s, 80s, 90s, where people did used to go to decree NISI to hear it heard. Um, it's always a bit of a, an anticlimax, really. The judge opens the door of the court, reads out a list of NISIs, shuts the door of the court, and then deals with any costs issues. But generally speaking, the NISI uh, is usually then typed up by the court office and sent out to both the petitioner and the respondent. And a lot of people think, oh, I've got my nice eye, I'm, I'm on my way to divorce, it's all sorted. But there's a standard waiting interval. It's almost akin to a cooling off period. You can't get your decree absolute, your final stage of the divorce, until six weeks and one day have elapsed between nice eye and absolute. There are ways of expediting that, but they're incredibly rare. Um, and in fact, most people face a gap of longer than six weeks in one day because, as I've said, this window uh, arises where you can generally sort out your finances. And um, if you can agree those finances, have them uh, made into a binding court order by the judge. At that stage, often, once you've got your consent order, people will apply for absolute. Some people apply beforehand. But it's worth getting legal advice before you make your divorce final, just to make sure that everything is in place and as it should be. Okay, thanks for that, Liz. Um, just on resources or anything else anyone can be thinking about as they approach grounds for divorce or indeed the process itself, uh, is there anything that we can wrap up with in that respect? I would say look after your own well-being. Emotional resource is key. This is a challenging process for everybody, yourself, your spouse, family members, wider family members and children. So anything that resources you through this process is a good thing. Uh, resolution, uh, which is my governing body, I know we're going to put some contact details on, on the uh, um, companion web page has a, a mine of really useful information and there's some great books for children out there uh, one of which um, I'd say is, is Parenting Apart by Christina McGee which is a great parental resource and for 
for well-being for yourself as well. Um, it's it's an older book, and uh, the, the lawyer who wrote it, fantastic uh, solicitor called Simone Katzenberg, who's sadly no longer with us. Seven stages of divorce guides you through the emotional impact and how to navigate through these very choppy waters. But yeah, in the closing part, I say self-care and well-being. Um, because if you're in a, a good place, then you're in the best place to help your your children. But yeah, look at those resources, um, and there, there there is a solution. I think your introduction was so apt. This is a major life event, but it need not be all defining, and there is a way through. Okay, thank you, Liz. Thanks for listening to the This Is Divorce podcast. If you'd like further information, you can go to our website, thisisdivorce.co.uk, where you can access further resources and information. If you'd like the podcast, it'd be great if you could leave us a review. Reviews help us to get noticed and mean that more and more people can get access to the resources they need. You can find us on Facebook and you can leave a review there too. And finally, you can do this. Remember, divorce is difficult but it needn't define you.